Hi, my name's Ben Smith. Over the course of my adult life, I've become obsessed with the industry of interactive entertainment. Video games. The video game industry has ballooned to massive proportions, bringing with it all the controversy and criticism any entertainment sector has. So come and join me and some of my friends as we explore and examine some of the strange and wonderful stories surrounding this sector. Sometimes we'll look at a specific game franchise, other weeks on a more broader theme, but always discussing my favourite hobby. Welcome to Extra Life. And welcome to Season 2 of Extra Life. For this first episode, I'll be joined by Josh Render again as we revisit one of my favourite franchises, now with the added clarity of hindsight. The last time we spoke, we thought it was dead, but like a zombie rising from the grave, it will now indeed continue. Join us for Mass Effect Revisited. And welcome to episode one of season two of Extra Life. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking all things Mass Effect again, uh, revisiting our old points from the first season. But of course, an episode of Extra Life would not be the same without a guest. And our guest today comes to us from the distant lands of London Town. He is a reviewer for Robot Republic and CBR, and also streams on a channel called Too Old emails it is the one it is the only it is mr josh render josh how are you sir i am ever so slightly hungover coming from the end of new years as you well know very good yes we did go out last night and it is the first of january that we're recording this on so it is the start of a new year so well we won't waste any time then let's get into the big things that we can talk about for this year uh the news and other things that are happening so there's not much news that's coming that's going out at the moment because it is of course the first of january but no. what we can do is we can look forward to the games that are going to be coming out this year so josh you've got any uh, preferences of things that are coming out this year uh, preferences that's a tough one i'm let's say i'm dubious about some things excited for others for the most part uh i'm interested in seeing how dead space the re-release is gonna go uh not re-release sorry remaster it's Let's just say the first Dead Space you replay it, there's certain issues that haven't transpired. Well, the horror in it has always been somewhat lacking. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to retain the environment while also upping the horror factor a bit, taking lessons from Alien Isolation and all the, you know, the kind of way to build tension. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I've seen a couple of trailers for the new Dead Space. Um, I was expecting it to be a full kind of, like, new game, I guess, but it just seems like they're remastering the first one. Well, I'm pretty sure the new game was Callisto Protocol uh, with its own set of issues, to well, be fair. yeah, that's very true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks good. Um, I don't know if the graphical kind of, you know, upgrade is going to matter in terms of the atmosphere, because the one thing that, that Dead Space did do really well was atmosphere. Yeah, um, although, to be fair, the graphics on Dead Space, the atmosphere was entirely built by the fact it was so dark and dingy, you couldn't see anything. If you up the brightness, it was awful. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, with with new kind of like, you know, 4K and HDR and stuff like that, is it going to be as tense as it was? Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about Dead Space, absolutely. Uh, anything else that's on your radar? Uh, 
Nothing is screaming out to me. The new Star Wars I am excited about, but I am also somewhat trepidatious. Let's be honest, Star Wars doesn't have the best history of its sequels improving the originals in any mo noticeable way. I mean, Knights of the Republic 2, sure, that had its moments, uh, but in other sides, it lacked some of the story moments of the first one. Star Wars Force Unleashed 2 existed. Yeah, the less said about that one, the better, I think. Yeah, didn't you write a letter complaining to the company about that game? Uh, I did. I think the letter that you're referring to, though, uh, which we'll get onto in a second, uh, was to do with Mass Effect 3. Ah. Um, so, yeah, but I, 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 did, I did write a letter about The Force Unleashed 2 because it was, it was, what was it? It was four hours long, wasn't it? Yeah, something about that, and part of it was taken up with just Yoda being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that one level. So there was four levels, and one of the levels was you go and talk to Yoda. Yeah, and he does a Yoda thing, which is sit there and be vague as shit. No wonder the Jedi failed. They just sit there and be vague. Absolutely. Say something. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed... I've, I've still not finished it, really, but I enjoyed uh, Jedi Fallen Order. It's a fun game. I mean, it's... The new one looks like they're pushing the force powers a bit. The trailer lets you see you do a whole bunch of crazy stuff with lifting people and throwing people. But, you know, at its whole at its heart it was a Dark Souls version with Star Wars, but it wasn't as difficult. It was, yeah. It was it was very Souls like, uh, which was in, it was an interesting concept for a for a Star Wars game really. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm Fingers crossed, I hope it'll be good. The first one was good. I just worry somewhat where they're going to be able to go with it, plot-wise. Because, I mean, you fought Darth Vader at the end of the second first one. Which, by and by, best rendition of facing Darth Vader. And in Force Unleashed, you beat up Darth Vader. And this one, you suddenly realise how much of a badass he is. Yeah, very true, very true. And, uh, yeah, Hogwarts Legacy is one that's... Um, well, I, I mean, don't know. We, yeah, we're going to talk about the first kind of contentious issue of this new season of Extra Life, uh, and one that's probably going to blow up in the comments section. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Obviously, um, there, there, there are people who are excited about the game, uh, Harry Potter fans and the like. However, uh, with the issues that surround JK Rowling and stuff like that, I've heard from a lot of people that they are going to be boycotting the game. How do you feel about this issue? Is it fair to boycott a game like Hogwarts, Le uh, like Hogwarts Legacy just because of the issues surrounding JK Rowling, or should we be supporting the publishers and the developers who put their hard work into games like this? I honestly, I think there's a certain amount of irony to it all in that this is the it, reputedly this is the kind of game that everyone who ever liked Harry Potter always wanted. You know, it's an open world, create your own character, go to Hogwarts, do school things, and then suddenly, due to some truly atrocious comments by Rowling, it's now turned into this. There's something. I don't know how to put it. It's weird that though this has happened. There's a part of me that wants to, you know, play the game because it is the game as it's touted to be, and you can't always blame the writer for the thing. I mean, people still read H.P. Lovecraft and play games based on that, and he was a massive racist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the <clears throat> where I come from it is um, that you know. It's it's J.K. Rowling's IP, so it's always going to have some involvement from her. But I don't think it's fair to punish the game developers and 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 the studios that have worked really hard to kind of 
push something like this out um, because of the comments that she's making. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how well it does. Mm. Um, It's going to be an interesting one to see whether it's a success or whether it's not a success. And I think a lot of that is going to be attributed to whether the fan base you know decides to embrace it or not embrace it myself personally i'm not a massive harry potter fan but i am excited to play an open world harry potter game it's it's a very good setting um and lends itself well to an rpg uh but i'm you know also if it does fail i'm not going to be the saddest person in the world i mean to put it bluntly anyone who chooses to boycott the game from a moral stance is in no means wrong i mean that is a choice you can make yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, of course, we would like to say everybody on uh, Extra Life and everybody who works on Extra Life, uh, of course, does support uh, trans rights uh, and the LGBT community. Uh, and we obviously take a stand against any discrimination that happens with that community. So, uh, m- moving on to another hotly anticipated game this year uh, for 2023 if it's going to come out in 2023 we don't know yet uh, it is of course uh, the sci-fi epic from bethesda starfield um what are your thoughts i mean it's been delayed once already is it coming out this year is it coming out next year what do you think i think it's next to impossible to say but i think xbox does need to start pushing some stuff out last year was a bit weak for them in terms of releases it was, yeah. It was a bit of a... Um... Big releases. I had a lot of indie releases. Yeah, I mean, you know, Game Pass went from strength to strength again, um, you know, adding new titles all the time. Uh, my game of the year last year, uh, Plague Tale Requiem, uh, was released on day one. So that was obviously Money. fantastic. Um, yes, uh, indeed. Um but, you know, next year really needs to be the big year of, you know, first-party releases for Xbox, and Starfield is very much at the front of that. Yeah, although from what I've seen of it, it's... um, my I, I'll be honest, the biggest issue I have with it is I just don't know how it's going to stand out from what I've seen of it. I think it's a bit formulaic for what's been out before. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen... It, 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 uh, Todd Howard, of course did explain it as uh, Skyrim in space, uh, which I think is problematic in its own way. Um, Does that mean they're going to keep releasing new versions of it for the next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't describe anything as Skyrim in space. Um, But, you know, there's certain bits from some of the the in-depth looks that we've had that do excite me. So... You know, having a look at the uh, the shipbuilding, for instance, you know, being able to build your own spaceship and then fly it in space, that's very cool. You know, what would make that better is if you can design interiors and stuff like that. I don't know if they can go that far, mm. but that would be really, really, really cool. Although it should be pointed out that there is yet to really be a space exploration game with planetside activity that worked well when it first came out. It's true. Um, I mean... The, the the hope is that it doesn't go down the No Man's Sky route of having quintillions of planets and, and feckle all em- in any yeah, of them. Yeah, they're all empty, uh, essentially. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you hope that the planets are going to be at least a little bit interesting. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, interesting is a tricky one anyway, because uh, Outer Worlds was a great example of what you could class Skyrim in space, I suppose, but more of a team-based looking around, going to different planets whenever you wanted. And Outer Worlds was fun, and I'm excited for Outer Worlds too. 
Uh, I'm not sure when the release for that is. Uh, I think that might be a 2023 release as well. I know that we've we've got a trailer. Uh, they've not really released anything else other than that. Uh, but yeah, Outer Worlds 2 will be uh, will be an interesting one. I'm going to look up when it's out while we're doing this. Well, I, I will vamp uh, with my words then. <laughs> vamp away. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, would you? I mean, the the, the big question is is you know. Is Starfield uh, a... Is it do or die for Bethesda at this point? Because obviously coming off the release of Fallout 76, coming off the you know criticism of not releasing another Elder Scrolls game for the past 11 years, uh, and it looks like it's going to be another 11 years before we get the Elder Scrolls 6. I um, mean, if. Is, is Starfield now, does this have to succeed for Bethesda? No. I mean, a success is always nice, but Bethesda's been running high off releasing the same thing for years and people still buy it. And secondly, gaming now, measuring a success in gaming now is incredibly difficult anyway. Because you have games that have a successful release that then no one plays. You have live service games, which people count as a success if it continuously runs. But then you have other games like Fortnite, which continuously go, but would you count it as a success? It drops players constantly. It's like a circulating loop. So I think trying to measure, especially as a, part, a company that's been bought by another company. I mean, Microsoft isn't EA. They're not going to liquidate the company if it has a failure and Elder Scrolls 6 will always draw attention even if it never comes out yeah I mean uh, you know I think it, yeah I, I, I completely agree with you there um, it's going to be interesting to see how Starfield does um, and how that uh, affects Bethesda going forward as well uh, I think that's about it really for our most anticipated games I think the only the only other one that I would want to mention uh, for I mean the comic book nerd in me would be remiss if I didn't mention Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League yeah uh, the next release from Rocksteady obviously Gotham Knights came out in 2022 to quite mediocre reviews mainly because they changed the format of the combat which works so well for the Arkham series so I guess the hope is is that and it does seem like it's going to be this way from some of the, from some of the stuff that we've seen from Suicide Squad, uh, that they still keep the Arkham level of combat and um, the free flow kind of like uh, combat, but also um, with new characters. Mm, I mean, I'm excited for it. Uh, obviously, everyone loves the Arkhamverse. And Kevin Conroy coming back for that one role, his final role will always be an emotional moment. What it does to the canon of the Arkham Knight game is a different matter entirely. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Rocksteady have come out and they've said uh, this is set in the Arkhamverse. So, <clears throat> what's happened? I mean, we've had little, uh, you know, hints and teases as to what might be going on at play. Um, a few people have mentioned that uh, Brainiac might be to do with um, why, the, why the Justice League is evil now um, and why the Suicide Squad has to kill them. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, Metropolis in this. Uh, I mean, I've said world. it before. My money is on the fact that they're clones. Could be clones, absolutely. Could be something to do with Darkseid. Uh, it's going to be interesting, and obviously, you know, with the mess that DC is in at the moment in terms of the films, it's going to be nice to have a little bit of uh, you know continuity with and the, the comics games at least, and the, and the comics as well. It's going to be a, a, nice to have a bit of continuity with the games at least. Yeah, I think all the Justice League are currently dead in the comics. The last time I checked. 
wonderful. Uh, sounds so, sounds like something that the, uh, DC would do, definitely. It won't last. They never stay dead. No. Uh, well, that, that'll just about wraps us up on our news segment then for this first episode of Extra Live. So now it is time to talk about our big issue of the episode. And our big issue is all about a man called Shepard or a woman called Shepard, uh, a ship called the Normandy, and a franchise that did seem dead, but has now come back to life. This is Mass Effect Revisited. On June the 5th, 2020, we sat down to record our first episode of Extra Life. The topic? The sleeping giant of a franchise, Mass Effect. With poor sales of Anthem and the next Dragon Age seemingly stuck in development hell, it wasn't a stretch to assume the future of Mass Effect was looking bleak. Cut to December of that year, in the Game Awards, a small teaser cinematic was released with four simple words, Mass Effect will continue. Egg on our face. But what will this new direction for the franchise look like, and can Bioware claw back any good faith from their fans after the failures of the past few years? It's time for the big issue. So, in the spring of 2020, myself and Josh sat down for the first season of Extra Life to talk about how you solve a problem like Mass Effect. Now, the reason why we did an episode on this was because Mass Effect 3 was many years old, uh, Andromeda had come out to lackluster reviews, it did seem for everyone to see that the franchise was dead and buried. So it was interesting to speculate how a franchise like Mass Effect would be able to come back from something like that. Long and behold, that year at the Game Awards, uh, 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 Bioware decided to release uh, a bit of a teaser for the fact that Mass Effect will indeed continue, sending everybody into absolute frenzy. Now, I am not one to uh, blow my own trumpet, but I do believe that Extra Life has definitely contributed. I'm sure they'll put you on the box. Yes, to uh, the fact that Mass Effect has now been revived. Um, so we decided that for the second, for the opening of the second season of, of Extra Life, we would revisit uh, what we said back then, because obviously we've now got more information and more teases and clues as to what the future of Mass Effect might be. So the first thing to talk about, obviously, is the ending of Mass Effect 3 and the implications that the ending of Mass Effect 3 has for the fourth one. Um, obviously, it, it, it's quite a, a cut-and-dry ending that Mass Effect 3 has got. Cut, cut and dry is tricky. I mean, there's obviously three choices for the ending. I remember vaguely hearing someone say that the canonical ending was the destroy ending. Um, but obviously that has to be taken with a pinch of salt because I don't believe Bioware have ever come out and said which is the cano canonical ending. Um, yeah, so they've not. Um, I think most people within the community accept that the destroy ending is the one that is the most likely just because it leaves it more open to well, continuing. Yeah, I mean, Destroy is the only one where Shepard actually survives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Spoiler, by the way. Yes, uh, yeah. If it hasn't been mentioned before, there will be massive spoilers for the entire Mass Effect franchise uh, throughout this episode. Uh, but you, I, I mean, you knew that already, didn't you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, really. Um... Obviously, the ending of three 
with it going into a, a, another kind of direction, one of the endings has to be cho- uh, chosen. Yeah. And it does seem like the destroy ending is the one that, that would be chosen. I mean, so you've got... I, I probably won't remember their exact names aside from destroy. Destroy is the one which... You can tell the vague theory of which side you're going in. When you do it, you see certain characters do it. So when you do destroy, you see Anderson destroying it when it's first mentioned to you. Uh, there's the one where you join or you take control of them, which is the control ending, where you see the elusive man do it. And then you've got the unity ending, which is where you know you fall in and become one with the Reapers and they take your mind. Uh, obviously, in terms of saving as many people... And depending on which shepherd you are, I mean, uh, there's an argument that only renegade shepherds would do the destroy ending because it also means the death of every AI, including the Geth. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, especially with you know characters that you've definitely grown attached to at this point, so like Legion and Edie. Yeah, they're all gone. Um, obviously, with Control, they wouldn't be gone, but. No, control will give you control over the Reapers, and the other one, which I will never remember the name of, the other one merges human and AI to create, or bionic, organic and AI to create a race of people with glowy green eyes. Yeah, I'm going to help you out there. It's the synthesis ending. Synthesis, that's the one. Uh, yeah, so I think the only one that we can really kind of categorically rule out is synthesis uh, from being kind of canon. Well, I mean, I suppose to explain why, you'd have to explain the trailers we've seen, which may as well. The trailers that you see at the moment, it's uh, space, lots of people yelling, and then it's a planet and you see Liara walking. The fact Liara doesn't have glowing green eyes would indicate that synthesis never happened. Absolutely, and we will go into more detail on on the trailer in a second. Um, So I guess kind of, you know, coming from the ending of 3... Uh, the one that opens itself up for story possibilities would be the destroy ending, um, and you know I've I've heard a lot. Uh, I mean, I, as a kid, you know, I was as a as a twenty something, I was um, really interested and hooked in on Star Wars. Mm. Uh, it was my favourite sci-fi. Uh, Mass Effect obviously overtook that as I played uh, more Mass Effect. Uh, and if you're going to go down the Star Wars route, then obviously at the end of Return of the Jedi, you know, the, the, the Empire's defeated, it's all, you know, dead and and ev- everybody's happy and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we go straight into Episode 7 where we see the ruins of the war that happened. Mm. Um, it, it, it It's a nice kind of visual and it's also something that leaves it open to story elements being in there. So for story elements, I think the destroy ending is the more interesting of the one of the of uh, of the three uh i guess the control ending is interesting but also it would just be like everything's fine well it's an odd one to think that because if it's the control ending you could theoretically go down a story route of you know does he get corrupted or she get corrupted while controlling them very true yes um yeah very true uh i guess you know one of the things is would it would it be interesting to see the fact that reapers would be your allies i mean it's entirely plausible to have reapers as your allies but then the issue with that is in a plot-wise circumstance what do you go up against that's the problem andromeda had you started andromeda you just done mass effect you were dealing with world-ending reapers 
and then you go to Andromeda and it's like, oh look, vaguely weird aliens. That's your big threat. And, uh. Exactly. So you know, you know, the, the Reapers was such a good kind of bad guy, such a good antagonist throughout the th the first three games. You need to go bigger for the next kind of iteration of Mass Effect. So how do you go bigger than aliens, which literally bring about the end of the universe? I think there isn't an easy way to go bigger. I think you have to go down a different route. I mean, the route that Andromeda tried to go down was the concept of a much smaller scale, but working with, you know, much less stuff in theory. The Reapers, you could do the Reaper, you couldn't do a Reaper-sized enemy in Andromeda because the people in Andromeda were small. They were just building a civilization. So the idea of using a, you know, smaller threat level makes sense in that circumstance. The problem is trying to connect it means that anything that's happening feels lesser when it's going on. I think for the next one, they're going to have a problem trying to find a way, unless they focus on some completely different aspect. I mean, there's nothing to say it has to be an action-adventure shooter only. There's numerous other ways you could go with it. There are, yeah. And again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into what the... Uh... <clears throat> the future of the franchise might be uh, in a little bit. Uh, so let's talk about that trailer then that we saw. Uh, we call it a trailer. It was more of like a teaser yeah, to say, you know, Mass Effect is going to continue. It's not a... I mean, there's been two-ish, but they've done the same thing. It's lots of audio recordings from the wars, destroyed ships and destroyed... Um, oh, what were they called? The spinny things? Oh, the mass relays. Relays, that's the one. Uh, destroyed them and then it's a snowy planet and you see a, a Sari who's either Liara or her daughter we don't know for certain so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go through bit by bit so um, you know we open up with uh, shots in space of uh, different kind of galaxies and, and nebulas and stuff like that over the top we hear audio of uh, different bits of now the this is interesting because nobody really picked up on this. It's different bits of humanity's kind of journey up to that point mm, in it's... space. So we we hear the first broadcast, the first radio broadcast uh, in space. We hear uh, Arcturus Station um, set, be, uh, being set up and um, actually um, beaming. We hear uh, the fact that the mass relay has been set up. Um, and we also hear... Um, audio which is one of the more interesting ones uh from the first contact war uh, yep. between the Turians and the humans um as we go through space we hear all of this uh all of this uh, audio uh we then get to um audio from the third mass effect game of you know the reapers are coming they are attacking us and then we see obviously the the ruins of a mass relay uh which is obviously the moment where most people went Oh my god, it's Mass Effect. We're doing Mass Effect. Mm. Um, now, the next shot is one of the more interesting shots because we come out of that um, that uh, ruin. We see, we hear someone say, you know, calling for Shepard. You know, Shepard, are you there? Shepard, Shepard. Um, and then we see a shot of a galaxy. Now, it's taken a while. Again, it's, it's a nice little Easter egg, but the, the shot of that galaxy that we see is a shot of the Andromeda galaxy. Hmm. Which is really interesting because it's obviously them acknowledging that Andromeda happened. You know, we have to acknowledge that Andromeda is a thing. Yeah. Um, and so, 
you know, do, does Andromeda play into the next game? So after we see the Andromeda galaxy, we then zoom into a planet uh, and a small ship is landing on that planet. Uh, now, the ship design is really interesting because obviously we've come from this high space age trilogy of really sleek looking ships and really kind of like uh you know fast and 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 and, and, and sleek and, and smooth looking ships to this small little skip ship i mean it's like a ramshackle kodiak it is so I, again th you know this gives you more kind of clues as to what kind of universe we're living in now we're living in a universe where there isn't a lot of it of uh, technology it's you know having to put things together that you, that you can find and it might not you know work as smoothly as as, as it has in the past obviously uh, the ship kind of lands on um this planet so you see somebody walking up a mountain now it's revealed later on that this mountain that they're walking up isn't actually a mountain it's a reaper mm. that they're, they're they're walking up a reaper body um they lean down, they pick up something from the snow, they wipe it off. It is, of course, Commander Shepard's armor, the N7 logo there. Um, and then the camera pans up, you see their face, and it is Liara. And it has been confirmed that that is Liara. Okay, it's been confirmed. Well, it's been confirmed, I believe, by Mike Gamble, who is the uh, director uh, of uh, the Mass Effect, uh, of, of the next Mass Effect. Um, there's clues that give you that, uh, that that you can see that that give you that it is Liara. Obviously, most Asari are either blue or, or purple or those, it might those kind of really colors. cold. Uh, it might be, yes, very true. Um, but um, the the clues that, that give you that it is Liara is that Liara's got freckles uh, underneath her eyes. Of course, uh, you would remember that Liara uh, has freckles. Of course, under. I do. How often have you stared into those eyes? She is uh, she is my everything. Um, but uh, yeah, um, most Asari don't have those freckles. So because we see those freckles, we can we can basically broaden assume that uh, that it, uh, that is Liara of course I think yeah. it has been confirmed by Mike Gamble now um, and as she stares off another interesting thing as well is that we see uh, a crew from the ship in the in the distance now it's very blurry uh, and we can't really make out the silhouettes but it does seem like we can see the silhouette of a Krogan there and mm. it does seem like we can see the silhouette of a Turian as well uh, which again gives more speculation as to who we're going to be seeing in the next Mass Effect game mm. Yes. Although I would state that an important thing to do is with teasers is never assume that's the way the plot's going to go. I mean, that could just be a lead up to something entirely different. It could be. It could be new characters that we're going to be introduced to. Um, it could be old characters that have survived. I mean, you know, with the ending if we're going down the route of saying that the destroy ending is the ending that yeah. uh we're going with then there's certain things in that ending which mean that we know that certain characters aren't going to come back sure uh we also it should be stated that while it might not be if shepherd does return and that's a big if he's died before and come back. It wouldn't be the first time someone's done it. Yes, very true. I mean, you know, obviously in Mass Effect 2, the, the Lazarus Project revived yeah. Shepard uh, from death. Does Is this the second Lazarus Project? It's entirely possible because realistically, if Shepard did survive that, he would be a broken slab of meat. I mean, he may not even be the main character, let's be fair. There's also a point that um, one thing to be aware of i think is the relative ages of certain species that are possible i mean for instance liara's in it sure liara was 
what, 300 in Mass Effect series? Uh, she, so she was barely a, an, an adult in, yeah. in, in, in the series. So yeah, I think she was between 200 and 300. 200 and 300. They lived yeah. to about 1,000. Krogan yeah. lived to about 800. There's nothing to say that the Turian is Garrus or one of Garrus's descendants. I mean, it's entirely plausible. We're heading... I mean, we see her on this snowy blast ruinscape. We have to remember that Shepard died in London. True, yes. It was a city, but we know we don't see any buildings, really. We just see the destroyed Reaper in a storm. For all we know, it's been 600 years. Humanity's left Earth, and it's become a devastated hellscape. This is very true. I'm just going to have a bit of a sidebar here. Just um, my favorite thing from Mass Effect 3 was that in every single city that you go to, apparently in the future, what we're going to do is we're going to build big... Uh, buildings that have massive font letters which say which city we're in well sure we do that now it was in avengers yeah so i mean it's great because you know you you look at in in that opening scene of mass effect 3 you look and there's a building that says vancouver um just like across the side of it and then you go to london there's a big building that says london (laughs) i mean to be fair all the cities kind of look the same (laughs) exactly yeah did you see that much difference between vancouver and london i i I just find it funny that that the the future that we're going to be living in is a future where there's every single city in the world is going to have big buildings that that say what city you're in well with rapid fast with rapid transport that can get you anywhere in minutes maybe it's important right yeah this is true actually yeah this is very true you won't have the pilot constantly telling you in 20 minutes we will be landing at vancouver airport so i mean you know we've got there's there's plenty of speculation to be done um Obviously, the things that we can spot within the trailer give us a kind of clue as to the world that we're living in now. Yeah, we um, know technology's gone backwards, travel's more difficult, and Liara's still alive. That's the main thing we know. With the ruins of a Mass Effect relay, does that mean that the Mass Effect network is down? Does that mean that we've got no faster-than-light travel in the universe? Well, you have to remember the little kid who was an AI stated that it would be possible to fix them. Hmm. And the Keepers didn't die. The Keepers are organic and they do know how to repair them. So it's entirely plausible they are fixing them. This is very true. This is absolutely very true. Uh, you know, it, it could be that the, 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 the relay network has been fixed. You know, we're, we're going like 20 years in the future. It could be that this game is set a year in the future and we're still reeling from the effects of yeah. the, the, the Reaper invasion. We're still kind of collectively as species isolated from each other. Uh, you know, humans, Turians, Geth—they're all—they're all isolated from each other, uh, and need to find a way to, you know, get back to each other and see each other. Um, so, you know, it is interesting. I mean, there's something to be said, I think, for the concept of if it is further in the future, the idea—if you wanted to go down a story beat, a potential story beat. So, obviously, I'm spitballing here, but if you wanted to go down the story concept of it is further in the future. Uh, the rebuilding the relays took too long and what they're now finding is rather than separate species you've got separate communities that are built up with who was stranded where and that becomes a conflict in itself so you have a planet where Krogan and Turians were stuck for you know 60 years eventually they're either going to fight each other to the death or they're going to form their own community but then will they have an issue with another community who tries to approach them who's Quarians and humans, etc., etc. I think there's an interesting story beat to look at there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there is. And, it, you know, 
it, it'll be interesting to see whether we go down that more kind of uh, personal uh, vendetta kind of route um, for any bad guys that might, you know, appear in the next Mass Effect. Um, in terms of the future of the franchise, I, I think it's an interesting co- uh, conversation now because Mass Effect was always supposed to be a trilogy. It was always yeah. deemed that it was going to be a trilogy. Obviously, I, again, I'm spitballing here, but I don't think Bioware thought that it was going to be as popular and as successful as it did turn out to be. Um, obviously, it wanted it to be successful, but not to the point where it's literally defined space mm. games for a generation. Um, so I guess my question is, do we do a Star Wars do, is this the start of another trilogy, a new trilogy of games, uh, of, of, of people? Um, and where does that leave, uh, of course, where does that leave Mass Effect Andromeda? Oof, I mean, if you're going down Star Wars, you, it's a, I imagine they've looked at how the Star Wars sequels ended up going. There was quite a lot of issues with them. Whether or not you liked or disliked the movies, they had problems. Um, Andromeda, I think... Don't get me wrong, I thought Andromeda had potential. I still do. Uh, I enjoyed playing it, I enjoyed the combat in it, I enjoyed... Some of the characterizations were quite fun, to be honest, and, you know, it wasn't awful, it just had... It wasn't what it could have been. I think, you know, it's important for me to, to just cut in here and just say, you know, the views that we had in that first episode are still absolutely the views that we've had uh, now in fact you know since then obviously mass effect legendary edition has been released yeah. um and you know over the past couple of years i have been playing through the mass effect franchise again uh, including andromeda and you know it, it's the view of this podcast and also of you know both of us personally that andromeda is actually quite a good game um it's got its problems absolutely it does but it's not as bad as people make it out to be no it just wasn't what people wanted and they tore it to shreds because and that's, that's not necessarily wrong either it wasn't what people were expecting and it had negative that happens uh, but I would say I think cutting out Andromeda entirely is more likely I mean it will go probably the way Anthem went as a nice aside but then I would also state that if because it's funny you mentioned before that um you know, in regards to one of the things being a success, you know, does it need to be a success? Bioware at the moment is in a really tenuous position where Dragon Age 4 and the new Mass Effect have to work because EA is, we all know EA, they're constantly willing to tear something down and just spread its ashes around their own company and ignore otherwise. So there is a danger, I think, where Bioware goes too safe with a new Mass Effect. Like, if they want to bring back the old team and Shepard, fine. That's fine. I can see that working. On the other side, that does raise a question of, you know, what would Shepard's standing be? I think it's interesting that you brought up Dragon Age there, because that is... as far as we're aware, that's the next game that's going to come out from, uh, from yeah. Bioware, Dragon Age Dreadwolf, uh, set in the Tevinter Imperium. Um, now, we're expecting that to be released in 2023. Could be 2024, uh, um, of I course. would argue 24, it's more likely. Yeah, so um, because that's the new game, obviously, you know, mentioning stuff like Anthem, um, you know, Bioware have got a lot more 
um, praise recently for releasing stuff like the Legendary Edition mm -hmm. of uh, of Mass Effect, but uh, everything does very much hinge on the success of Dragon Age Dreadwolf. If Dragon Age Dreadwolf is a flop, Bioware could be going into a new Mass Effect um, with the worst stock that they've had in their history. Yeah. Um, if Dragon Age Dreadwolf is a success and is a fantastic game, then obviously, you know, they'll be going in with a lot of uh, of good praise from from the community and going into uh, another Mass Effect game with, uh, you know, stock high. So, you know, the next game from Bioware is almost more important than what yeah. happens in, 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 in Mass Effect. It, it will affect the amount of leniency EA gives them with what they're able to do. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, obviously we will be talking about com um, big companies like EA and Activision and, and, and Ubisoft uh, in uh, subsequent episodes of Extra Life. But, um, you know, EA, it's, it's a global titan. And, you know, again, it's the view of this podcast that they're not exactly the nicest company in the world. Um, they did win worst company yeah, a few been, times. They've been voted the worst company um, in America um, almost every single year. Um, it there would be grounds to say maybe we dissolve you know the, the studio of bioware which would be one of the biggest shames in game in 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 gaming you know well yeah but i mean bioware haven't helped themselves anthem was a big issue it had a whole bunch of touting and it was a failure it was a complete flop it was yes it was uh and you know i think I think EA forcing Bioware, again, I don't know if they forced them or not, but it did kind of seem like they forced Bioware to go down a live service game route and incorporate multiplayer into an idea. I mean, sure, but I mean, Bioware got bought out. They're not given a huge amount of options, but there was, you can't always just blame the publisher. It's easy to blame the publisher, but there are equally issues occurring in the developer side. Very true, yes. So, that's our thoughts on Mass Effect 4. We're now going to transition smoothly into a new feature for this season of Extra Life. This is The Pitch. Yes, this is our section where we put forward our ideas for where we think the future of something should be in as much detail or as little detail as we want. And then you, the wonderful people listening to this podcast, get to vote and decide on which is your favorite. So I'm going to go first and then Josh will give his ideas for the future of Mass Effect. So my pitch, Mass Effect 4, we begin in a ruined Milky Way. There are no connections to any planets whatsoever. Uh, it's a very haphazard and dangerous place now uh, because of all of the technology not working anymore. And our game actually opens up with Liara, uh, who is, as always, researching uh, different advanced civilizations, uh, different ancient structures. And across one of her researches, she spots that there is a artifact from someone she knows quite well. In fact, there is an artifact from 
Commander Shepard. A piece of his armor is what she's found. Uh, this leads her on a wild hunt to go across the planets that she can get to to try and find more artifacts for Commander Shepard. Of course, if you romance Liara, she wants to save her lost love. If you didn't romance Solara, she wants to save one of the oldest friends that she's got in the galaxy. And so that's how the first section of this game, the first half of this game, goes. Uh, we play as Liara, who is searching the universe, going around with a team, uh, which has a few old faces that we'd recognize and a few new faces along with that, uh, going ac across planets, fighting off different uh, gangs and and colonies to try and find as many different artifacts that she can find, uh, kind of leading a, a breadcrumb trail to where Commander Shepard might be. Eventually, throughout the game, we are led to a rocky planet. It's a, it's a planet which is very not nice, it's got lots of uh, gas, lots of lots of lava, lots of uh, horrible things on it. And as Liara traverses through the planet, she is pointed towards the direction of a cave on this planet. Inside this cave, uh, as she goes through, she fights off some of the monsters that are in there. She finds a man, a man with a very scraggly, rough beard, a very scraggly hair, who is hunched over a fire, um, completely you know, not uh, not responding to anything that anybody is saying. Uh, of course, it can be a woman as well. This is our Commander Shepard. Um, and we find out as Liara tries to speak to them that they are haunted. They are destroyed by what happened in the third Mass Effect game. The fact that they have destroyed the universe and so many people have died and it wasn't really a victory. It was a hollow victory over the Reapers um, because of the state of the universe and, what's that le and what, that, what that's left the universe in. So as Liara tries to get the old Commander Shepard back, try and work through his problems and stuff like that, our focus then switches from playing as Liara to playing as Commander Shepard because Commander Shepard, you know, throughout the game... Throughout the game at, at, at this point, Liara's also found clues that there's some kind of cult that is around in the universe, uh, a cult which is made up of mostly Batarians uh, called the Cult of Harbinger, who believe that the Reapers were supposed to be the end of life as we know it, and they are clamoring to bring back Harbinger, bring back the Reapers to destroy the universe. Now, through their efforts uh, of Liara and her team, they've found out where the cult is actually based, one of the, the planets that the cult is based in, and with the help of Commander Shepard, go to that planet. They discover where the cult is um, and put an end to it, but before the cult is ended, the leader of the cult turns to Liara and says, this is just the beginning. You thought the Reapers were the worst thing that could happen to this galaxy. He dies. Liara doesn't understand what this means until an ancient structure, maybe Prothean, maybe another ancient civilization, opens up. It lowers Liara and Shepard down into a vault. Inside this vault, there is a voice, a robotic voice. It says the Reapers 
were the first, but we shall be the last. We do not come from this universe, but we will be here to destroy it. All of a sudden, big spider-like robotic creatures descend from the rafters. Liara and Shepard, wondering what's going on, ask, who are you? Where have you been? The creatures respond, we have laid dormant for millennia. We are now come to take what is rightfully ours. In a different universe, they had a name for us. They called us the Jardan. Now, those of you who are keeping up will know that the Jardan are the remnants of a civilization from Andromeda. Uh, the ancient civilization which had all of the structures over the Andromeda galaxy. Uh, Shepard and Liara barely make it out uh, and they speed away uh, realizing that they've got a far greater threat than they've ever faced before in their life. And that is where Mass Effect 4 ends. Uh, in subsequent games we will then travel to the Andromeda galaxy, maybe set up some kind of relay system where we can communicate with the Andromeda Galaxy, bringing in the Rider Twins to help eliminate this threat of this ancient advanced civilization from destroying the Milky Way as they destroyed the Andromeda Galaxy. So that was my pitch for Mass Effect 4. Uh, let's get some immediate thoughts from Josh. Um, It's interesting. I like the cult aspect. Uh, the only thing I would wonder if it isn't just another robotic advanced civilization it, I'd be curious if it's ever so I, you could do it well though in fairness so no I like it very good excellent well Josh it is your turn to take the mic this is Josh's pitch for Mass Effect 4 I mean I would keep certain aspects so for instance the more destroyed civilization um, but what I would do is as I said priorly I would focus on you know, they find Shepard, who is alive, but heavily, grievously wounded. You know, he's not going to be an action hero anymore. He's He wouldn't want to be anyway. He's been through a lot of shit. Uh, so this allows the player to make a new character if they want to, to play as someone who's working under Shepard. And then you have the situation arising where this new player has to go out, build new connections while dealing with the fact that there is a cult. I like the cult idea, but I'm going to change it by making it the enemies are a cult who call themselves the cult of Shepherd, Who view Shepherd as the great destroyer who came and broke the world apart. And in doing so gave them the ability to fight back. So you have to deal with this cult springing up and all these civilizations you find which built of whoever escaped there and form their own little enclaves with their own little rules. So there could be, as I said, there's planets where there's fighting, you've got to stop the fighting. There's planets where they formed their own religious doctrine. You've got to try and, you know, try and reconnect everything. And to do that, you are given the ability, having with Liara discovering a way to speed up the relay rebuilding. So your main mission with each galaxy you go to is to get the relay reworking and reconnect that galaxy while dealing with a number of threats. Cults, uh, pirates, uh, remnants from, you know, corrupted AI and everything else. Uh, but what you soon realise is something is very off with the shepherd who you're working under. And you soon realise that the shepherd you're working under is the one who is controlling this cult that's happening. 
Because what you soon realize is that Shepard is not the original Commander Shepard. It's someone who's taken that Shepard's face. So by the end, you realize it's someone who looks like Shepard, but it is not Shepard. Shepard is not there. And the game ends with that person killing the character you made. Because in the second game, you will end up retaking control of Shepard. But in the first game, you have this whole build-up thinking you found Shepard. It's all that, but she that is not Shepard. So the end section of the game is trying to find the real Commander Shepard, who you find he's un he or she is unconscious in a tank somewhere, and their genetic information is being used to create an army of Shepards to take over the newly reconnected galaxy that you helped reconnect. So there's a full army made up of Commander Shepard clones. You rescue the original Shepard, and that's where the game ends when the army is released. Very good. Excellent. So I like the whole... Um, there's, there's a couple of similarities in there, actually. So um, killing the, the character that you created. It's good. I think that just... It's horrific, because you never had the character die, so it's somewhat added in there in the beginning and it will piss off everyone who got annoyed at the mass effect ending <laughs> yeah very good and you know having you know a, a cult it, it, it seems like, like we've both gone down the cult route the cults are good plot wise after end of the world there's always a cult I mean Days Gone had the Rippers uh, Metro had well Nazis but Nazism is basically a cult anyway absolutely it is yeah um so yeah i mean yeah it's really interesting isn't it it's um it's, uh, i i i like the idea of you know shepherd is being basically he's he's, he's in a tank or, or she's in a tank uh and their 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 genetic information is being used to kind of like create super soldiers that's I mean, it's kind of cool. In this world, if you had someone who had done all Shepard did, would you not make more Shepherds? Yeah, I mean, at this point, Shepard is a bit of like a myth, isn't it? You know? Yeah, they're a demigod. Yeah. I mean, they've destroyed a species of sentient AI. They unified the galaxy. Even if you were good, you might do that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so in theory, you could change it to say that the character you made is a failed clone of Shepard. There's, there's lots of possibilities there. So, which one did you prefer? Did you prefer my take on Mass Effect 4 with the cult of Harbinger and the Jardin becoming the big evil uh, in the next game? Or did you prefer uh, super soldier shepherds running riots across the galaxy and shepherds' genetic information being used by his own cult or her own cult that they never wanted to uh, set up? Do vote below. Uh, and make sure that you let us know which one uh, you think won this uh, episode of The Pitch. But now it's more important. It's time to test your knowledge, Josh, of the Mass Effect franchise. It is back. It is the one. It is the only. It is time for High Score. So this is going to be a bit different than the first uh, season of Extra Life. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some quotes, Josh. Mm. You're going to tell me who said the quote from Mass Effect and the Mass Effect franchise. So, our first quote. Throw it out the airlock. Who said that one? Uh, I mean, it sounds like something Miranda would say because Miranda's kind of a bitch, frankly. So, I'm going to say... Yeah, I'm going to say Miranda. Miranda. 
It was not, I'm afraid. It was Javik. Oh, well, he's just mad. In Mass Effect 3. Uh, our second quote, uh, you did good, son. I'm Anderson. proud of you. That was Anderson. It was his final words in Mass Effect 3. His final things that he says to Shepard. Our third quote, nobody ever fell in love without being a little brave. And that's going to be a romance option. Um, I'm going to say, actually, that it was Shepard talking to Joker or Edie. Ooh, interesting. And you are absolutely correct. It was <laughs> Shepard who said it. Very good. Uh, our fourth quote. It's so much easier to see the world in black and white. Grey, I don't know what to oh, do with Grey. That's definitely my boy Garrus when he was still a whiny little bugger. It was Garrus indeed from Mass Effect 1. Absolutely. Yeah, before he became a bro, he wasn't as big a bro in Mass Effect 1. He wasn't. He was not. So our our fifth quote, sorry, uh, you big stupid jellyfish. Oh, that's Shepard talking to a Hanar. I think Mass Effect two or three. I believe it was Mass Effect three. Yeah, it's when they're worshiping the Reapers. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, so yes, that was uh, Shepard. Our sixth quote: There, Earth. I wish I could see it like I do, Shepard. It's so perfect. I mean, it, it's awfully fruity. It's kind of very colourful. Sounds like something Liara would say. She always gets very... Shepard, can you see the beauty of the universe? <laughs> Embrace eternity. Uh, so it wasn't Liara, I'm afraid. It was the elusive man. Oh. It was his final words in Mass Effect 3. Apparently he's a poet and he didn't know it. <laughs> while also being a supremacist. Hitler was a painter, so... Uh, our seventh quote. Does this unit have a soul? Legion, I remember. Yeah, that is Legion. And if you're not a dick to Tally, they do a whole thing. And she says yes, and then the Geth help the Quarians, and then you kill them all because you chose to destroy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Um, this is our eighth quote. Now, this is my favourite quote of the entire franchise. Mm. Um, so I assume if I don't get it, I'm in the doghouse. Absolutely, minus 5,000 points right, um, if you don't get right. it. Uh, here we go. Uh, we impose order on the chaos of organic evolution you exist because we allow it, and you will end because we demand it. I mean, I know it's a Reaper, so it's either Sovereign or Harbinger. Um, it is hard to say who it might be. They both kind of do the exact same shit. I'm going to say Sovereign, because I like Sovereign. Sovereign. It was indeed Sovereign yeah, in Sovereign Mass Effect, Mass Effect 1. 1. Yes, very good. The guy who's got a Tyrion in him who's just like, yo, bro, maybe betray the council, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our ninth quote. Is submission not preferable to extinction? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think it's legion. It sounds legion-y. Ooh, final answer? Yeah, it sounds like something he... Yeah, I'm going to go with Legion. It was Saren in Saren. Mass Effect 1. Ah, when did... Did he say that when he's a robot? Yes, he... Well, when... In the in the final fight, I think it is. Yeah, when he's a creepy robot thing. Yes, and absolutely. So, yeah, that's why it sounded Legion-y. It sounds like something a robot would say. <laughs> and our tenth quote... The Milky Way was so meh. Been there, done that. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like something from Andromeda. Uh, I don't remember any of the Andromeda characters' names. Uh, was it the... 
guy, the guy companion? It was not. It was PB. PB. Uh, it Our was either asylum. her or him. Uh, but you did very well. You managed to get seven points in that round. So we'll put you up on the leaderboard and we will see if anybody else can beat your score for season two of Extra Life. PB. Jesus. How do you <laughs> well, remember her name? <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed the character of PB. No, yeah, because it was another Asari you could date. Absolutely. Although uh, that was... Wasn't she the point, as a minor aside, wasn't PB the point where they were like, oh, you can have br branching romances that you can break... And she was the only one you could break up with or have a one-night fling with. She was, yeah, yeah. You, you could have a one-night stand with uh, with PB. But then she got upset if you didn't then date her. You could just you could just have casual sex with her, which is, you know... I mean... Right, up until you decided you want to romance the Turian because uh, aliens. <laughs> because aliens indeed. Well, that will bring us quite nicely and neatly to the end of our first episode of Extra Life. I want to thank my guest, Josh Render, for oh, talking pleasure. all things Mass Effect with me. Josh, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where will they be able to go? Uh, so if you go to CBR, you can search my name, Josh Render, and there's a bunch of poorly written articles. Robot Republic Online has a bunch of reviews I've done, uh, as well as their YouTube channel, which has a number of uh, video reviews I've done. You can also look at Two Old Emos on Twitch and YouTube, which has singular videos as well as streaming every Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining me to talk about Mass Effect one more time. I promise we'll do something different uh, at some point. Yeah, uh, let, me, let me talk about any other game, <laughs> just because I introduced you to Mass Effect. It's true, it's true, you did, you did. Well, there you have it. The future of Mass Effect is an exciting, albeit trepidatious one. My thanks to our guest this episode, Josh Render, and to you for listening. Join us next week as we'll be joined by the humble gamer Chris Goldthorne as we discuss the one franchise to rule them all, Lord of the Rings. Until then, I've been Ben Smith. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Extra Life. <laughs>